you have an inquisitive mind? Where do you go for answers? Imagine if the natural world held an answer to every question. Welcome to the Flowerhood Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Frankfurt. I'm on an orchard growing avocados and there's something going on. The more time I spend in nature, the more I learn about myself. Is it possible that until we connect with nature, we never truly flourish in our relationships, community, businesses or health? Oh boy, this is no ordinary gardening podcast. Join me at my kitchen table for wide and varied conversations with old and new friends from around the world. I'll be asking questions on how they connect with nature, what the research shows us, and look for ways we can incorporate these learnings into our lives. Let's get started. Kia ora. Hey, hey, welcome to the Flowerhood Podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's definitely a real special moment knowing that you're out there, you're listening, and I really hope you get something out of this. And I, I know I do. I'm really enjoying doing the podcast. It's something that means a lot to me. I enjoy doing the research. I enjoy thinking about who I would really love to have on. What What is the story that I would like to hear or explore, or sometimes it's just down to if I'm interviewing someone, it's hearing that different perspective of how they incorporate nature into their life and the journey that led up to them, usually coming to some form of realization that they needed to get out into nature or bring nature into where they are. So, yeah, it's a, been a great thing, the podcast. And I've actually had a couple of weeks off. So that's an interesting one there in itself. You know, why take time off for something that you really, really enjoy? Perhaps the thing that juices you the most. And I did it because I've had a bit of internal pressure, mainly created by myself, obviously, because it is internal. And... That's about a couple of projects have gone on. I've just got my avocado orchard where I live, where I'm recording this from at the moment. And it's been picking season. I'm also getting a lot of jobs done around the orchard. So a lot of preparation work for upcoming summer. That's around looking after the trees, making sure that uh, they are nurtured, that they're in an environment where they have the best possible chance of doing well. And also I've got this organic orchard that's being set up, the kiwi fruit orchard. So that's going gung-ho at the moment and just waiting for rain to stop and we'll be planting out hundreds of rootstock plants for that. So there is quite a bit going on. And I found this interesting thing that happens when I start to feel busy, what do I do? I go and take on more projects. Okay, that's kind of crazy. And it's something that I'm really spending some time looking into. So I've allowed myself to take a little bit of time off to dig into this a bit more. 
So why do I want to give myself time? I want to give myself time because I think I've identified a behavior that doesn't always serve me. (laughs) And I don't know if you have this as well, but this idea of when you're really busy, you, you take on more and more. And it's almost like an addictive nature. And I'm trying to dig deep and find out where this comes from. So a couple of questions I have been pondering over the last two weeks is, what is this and how does it serve me? Because I find even when you have behavior that doesn't serve you, in some respect, it is serving or meeting a need. So for me, this idea of taking on more, it's almost like I am seeking happiness and I think think that I am going to find it in creating or adding in more. Now, I don't actually think when I start to question this, it actually works. I don't think that adding leads you to more happiness. (laughs) So I kind of sit with this a bit longer, and then I ask more questions around it. And One of the other questions is, who gave me this belief? Because sometimes in life, we do something and we've actually picked it up from childhood because we've been watching a parent or or a guardian or someone who was a figurehead to us and we interpret the behaviour that they are doing and we take that behaviour on. So that's another question that I've been sitting with and I can see that I have situations where I have interpreted my mum's behaviour of always being busy, always do, 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 not taking that time out. Okay, but the interesting thing is, is that I'm not blaming her for this, for me following this pattern, because when I actually go down another layer into this, I realise that I look at this from a child's perspective. I look at this from how I interpret a situation. Is that reality? No. How could it be reality? Because she was leading a life as an adult and there are a lot of things going on in her life that I would not actually know about. I would not see and I would not be able to interpret them as a whole picture. So then I kind of look at this whole thing about, um, you know, feeling pressure, starting to feel a little bit crazy, taking on more. And in actual fact, I realise that it is something I have created. I've created it. I've created it also as a distraction. So what do I want to do now that I've sit there? Now that I kind of see that this, number one, doesn't work for me, it's not serving me, it's also based on some kind of false beliefs that I have about somebody else's life that I've kind of taken bits and pieces on board without actually ever really fully understanding what they were doing. And so it's time to release it. And then when I release it, I need to put in a new behaviour. Because that's the thing, you know, we can work through stuff, but unless we've got something to replace it with, 
it's pretty easy to fall back on the old pattern. (laughs) So when I feel that pressure, I am immediately trying to break the pattern. I can do that. I can change the way I breathe. I can change my physiology. I can change the language and I can change what I focus on. So I breathe. I stop. And now what I'm trying to do is I'm now trying to immediately go out into nature. When I feel that there is a lot going on, it's usually a lot going on in my head. And yes, there will be physical things that I will need to do and get done, but it's the thoughts in my head of what's happening in the future that are creating anxiety. So stop and immediately take myself out into nature, which can be lie down in the sun. Okay, this doesn't have to be a very long process. It can actually be just 10 minutes, 10 minutes of breathing. And frankly, if you haven't got 10 minutes a day, well, then, you know, you really need to examine what is going on. It's the idea of breaking that pattern, getting out there into nature. And so some of the things I've also been doing is very mundane. I will feel that feeling of overwhelm. I stop immediately, go out, and I might just weed. I don't even like weeding, but weeding is a monotonous task. However, it connects me immediately with the ground. It connects me with what is growing around. And I actually find it relaxing once I'm doing it. It also has that absolute added benefit that the results are great. And then you actually kind of have that feeling that you're in control because you look back and you see where you've been weeding and you have that pleasure, that instant result. So I really think this busyness, this busyness is an illusion. When we feel busy, you know, it can lead to those feelings of unhappiness because we're adding stuff in all the time. We're adding in more clutter. We're adding in more pressure. We're adding in thoughts, thoughts of failure or thoughts thoughts of not being perfect. But how about if we actually remove things? If we actually drop something, we drop the illusion. We drop the old rusty thinking. We drop the old patterns. And this can lead to happiness. So here am I, judging myself severely. And hey, I've only just taken a couple of weeks off doing a podcast. (laughs) You can imagine what else happens in this crazy brain of mine when I start to think that, is this a form of failure if I take two weeks off? I mean, it's ridiculous. Of course it's not failure. Two weeks off a podcast. I mean, how? That's not failure at all. So who's creating this judgment? Well, I'm creating it. I create it in myself. And don't you find often we are the harshest critics of ourselves? You know, I'm looking out the window and I can actually hear the chickens. I don't know if you can hear them in the background. They're clucking away. They've obviously all laid at the same time. But I'm also looking out at 
a really beautiful weeping cherry, and it is out in blossom. It's out in full blossom. It's looking fantastic. I have two other cherries nearby it. And you know what? They're not out in blossom yet. But do I criticise them for not having achieved the blossom yet? They could be two weeks off blossoming. But I don't judge them. And does the cherry judge itself? Oh my gosh, I'm two weeks off blossoming. I failed. No, of course not. So it's kind of really crazy that, you know, here we are, human beings. And we live in nature. And nature doesn't judge itself, but we do. So what's my message? Well, it's, it's not really to opt out. It's just one really of, of having patience, self-care, kindness and empathy towards oneself. On my wall, I have a saying up there, no hurry, no pause. And I really like that. No hurry, no pause. I think it's about time we kind of banish these ideas of failure. And one of the ways we can do it is reframe it. I always enjoy rereading J.K. Rowling's Harvard commencement speech that she did in 2008. I find it really grounding. So part of the speech was about uh, imagination, but the other part was actually about failure. She decided to talk about the benefits of failure. And so as the speech goes on, actually, I'll just read some of it to you. Ultimately, we all have to decide for ourselves what constitutes failure. But the world is quite eager to give you a set of criteria if you let it. So I think it's fair to say that by any conventional measure, a mere seven years after my graduation day, I had failed on an epic scale. An exceptionally short-lived marriage had imploded, and I was jobless, a lone parent, and as poor as it is possible to be in modern Britain without being homeless. The fears that my parents had had for me, and that I had had for myself, had both Come to pass, and by every usual standard, I was the biggest failure I knew. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that failure is fun. That period of my life was a dark one, and I had no idea that there was going to be what the press had since represented as a kind of fairy tale resolution. I had no idea then how far the tunnel extended, and for a long time. Any light at the end of it was a hope rather than a reality. So why do I talk about the benefits of failure? Simply because failure meant a stripping away of the inessential. I stopped pretending to myself that I was anything other than what I was and began to direct all my energy into finishing the only work that mattered to me. Had I really succeeded at anything else, I might never have found the determination to succeed in the one arena I believed I truly belonged. I was set free. Because my greatest fear 
had been realized. And I was still alive. And I still had a daughter whom I adored. And I had an old typewriter and a big idea. And so rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. You might never fail on the scale I did, but some failure in life is inevitable. It is impossible to live without failing at something, unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default. What I love about this, this speech, is the way that she reframes failure. And so rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. How about that, eh? How about, you know, when you have those crazy thoughts of failure, rather than focusing on it as being failure, focus it on being the solid foundation on which you rebuild. So the last couple of weeks I have enjoyed spending some time in nature and also just picking up some books and reading, something I haven't actually done for quite a while. I've been reading two books. The first one, which I just finished, is The Consequences of Love by Gavandra Hodge. It was a book that it wasn't recommended to me. I, I kind of randomly went to the library and picked up two books without really reading too much about them. And this one is about a woman as a child living in London and her father was a hairdresser and a drug dealer in Chelsea. And she was having to deal at the age of seven with this precarious lifestyle around her. And she had a younger sister. And then in 1989, tragically, her younger sister died on holiday. And this story is about her as an adult writing about how she really started to deal with the loss, recover, going through this trauma, and most of all about memories. Because what happens is she can't remember anything about her younger sister. So when she remembers things from her past, she remembers them but without her sister being in, in the picture. Besides the fact that I cried at the end of this book, it's actually a really beautiful book about the joy of sisterhood and the joy of going through trauma and then coming out the other side stronger. And then the second book, which I'm actually only about a third of the way through, and it's another incredible book. It's called Our House is on Fire, Scenes of a Family and a Planet in Crisis. Wow, and this book is by Melena and Beata Ehrnman, Svante and Greta Thunberg. It's a book that is written by the family, the whole family. Oh boy, it is, um, it is about a family in severe crisis. Two young, beautiful girls, these daughters who are falling apart. And really, this is 
shout out to all families and all families who are dealing with mental health issues in some way, whether it's ADHD or autism or or selective mutism or anorexia, burnout, depression, chronic fatigue. It's about those families out there who are struggling and who are silent about it as well, who, you know, are having those battles at home to get their children to school, almost to the point where, you know what, they just don't even want to have the fight anymore. And so they're living these lives in their houses with all sorts of craziness going on, and it affects everyone. And then at the same time, this book is also about the crisis that's happening on our planet, the crisis that we have with nature, how removed we've become from nature, how divorced we've become from nature, and about our overconsumption. Again, that whole thing about adding, adding, adding rather than subtracting. And it's just really strange that I picked up both these books, uh, completely different sections of the library, and yet they're both dealing with young women in, in these situations, in traumatic situations. It'll be interesting to see where, where the rest of that book goes. Wow, a lot about brains and emotions. Complex trauma, families. But you know what? We, we all have that. We all live through these things. It's also about where we put our focus. So on the planet side, you know, what do we choose to see? Do we choose to see that the bird population is reducing dramatically? Or do we turn a blind eye? Who looks away when they read headlines like catastrophe, France bird population collapses due to pesticides? Well, Josh Gabata, science correspondent of The Independent, new figures reveal decline in farmland birds at a level approaching an ecological catastrophe. It's not just in France. UK bird population's down by like 50%. And then on the human side of it, when I think of the first book, The Consequences of Love, and I think about this young girl living in this very dysfunctional family, and she was going out at night and drinking, taking drugs, you know, at the age of 15, so who is concerned when they see a 15-year-old drunk in a nightclub with men old enough to be their father? Who looks away when you see families in the middle of those kind of total meltdowns where they're screaming? <sighs> well, they just don't turn up to school anymore. You know, I think about it, is it that we just get so overwhelmed that we absolutely do nothing? And could we choose a different approach? Because when we stay static and we just close in and do nothing, that doesn't lead to happiness either. 
we really need to look for transformation. And let's face it, we're kind of really stuffing up the environment. So how do we work on this failure? This failure, can we build a new foundation? Can we build a foundation from the failure that we've already done to the planet? We're not separate from this planet. You know, we are nature. We're part of nature. Nature is us. And this whole idea of, you know, when you add things all the time into life, you know, adding in is also about the consumption that we have on this planet. And then subtraction. Can we turn off those phones, turn off the social media, head into nature? And I'm not saying that we need to do this every minute of the day, but for as much time as we spend online or in our heads, why not spend the equivalent in nature, in our natural environment? I want to listen to the bird song. Because if I can't hear the bird song, how will I ever protect the bird? We fail to care for this planet, I think, because we spend less and less time in our natural environment. So I want to get out there, into that environment. I want to get my fingers dirty. I want to connect with those growing plants. And most of all, I want to hear the songs of the birds. How would I ever protect an environment if I don't spend time in it? I need to have that one-on-one connection. How about you? My heartfelt thanks for listening all the way to the end of this Flowerhood podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to the show, like and review it on your favourite player. Be part of the greater Flowerhood community. Join the Flowerhood Facebook group and find show notes and information at flowerhood.com. I can't wait to share the next episode. Until then, hey, why not stop and smell the roses?